Welcome to the Off Your Ass and Out of Your Head podcast. I'm your host, Diana Ricciardi. And here we crush all the BS that's left you stuck in the same spot month after month, year after year. We are going to shift your mindset, get up, get moving, and get inspired so we can rewire the neural pathways in your brain and change the way you act, think, and feel. You are in the right spot if you're frustrated that your mind seems to be behaving as your worst enemy, and you are exactly where you need to be if you often feel anxious and unknowingly feed into self-sabotaging behaviors. You are here because you are ready to get off your ass, out of your head, and experience life. Let's start squeezing all the goodness out of what this world has to offer through fun, travel, food, and love. Are you with me? Let's dive in. Hey guys, it is a rainy Monday in New York. Rainy and snowy. The grossest. How do you guys feel about rain and snow when it's mixed? I think it's the grossest. Anyway, today I'm going to talk to you about mental health, which is pretty much what this is all about, right? Um, I feel like I've spoken a lot about my physical struggle, but here I am helping people with anxious thoughts and depressive behaviors, and I realized I never really touched on my full mental health journey. And I want you to know that you're not alone in your thoughts, only if you choose to bottle them up and hold on to them tight are you a victim of your thoughts. But since you're drawn to this podcast in the first place, I know that you're more more focused on the healing. So here we go. Now, first of all, I am not a fan of organized fun. How do you guys feel about organized fun? You know, the kind that has like a specific date, like uh, New Year's Eve or Halloween, even my birthday sometimes. I feel like there's pressure, right? So I woke up this year uh, on Thanksgiving a couple days ago feeling really low for the first time in months and months. It's been a while. And I was feeling low vibe and like ungrateful on Thanksgiving out of all days to feel ungrateful, right? Now, as I scroll more and more social media, as I scroll, I saw everything that everyone was grateful for and I got sadder and sadder. (laughs) Like so stupid, right? And then you start to feel guilty. Like I know I have plenty to be grateful for. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling sad on a day that, you know, I... I should be feeling so grateful. We literally beat ourselves up for feeling our feelings. You know, like I shouldn't be feeling sad on this day. I shouldn't be feeling sad on my birthday. Who am I to feel sad on my birthday? <laughs> and uh, we put a we put like a time stamp on it. I should be doing better right now. Um, and pressure, what does pressure do? Like think about sex. Think about, let's just say for argument's sake, um, a man, right? If a man is having uh, trouble performing in the bedroom or, you know, keeping his woman happy, what would be more effective to talk to yourself in a way that says, you should be able to do this. You should be able to do this. What the hell is wrong with you? Or, all right, let's try again in an an hour, right? Obviously the latter. Or what would be more effective? What would be a more effective way to speak to your lover if that was happening? You know, you should be able to do this. Why can't you do this? (laughs) or is it just like whatever okay we'll try again in in an hour obviously 
Uh, the second one, right? So I always say to speak to yourself the way that you would speak to a lover. You know, why would you, why would you put a lover down if they're feeling bad about themselves? Why would you put yourself down if you have to speak a certain way for your body to respond a certain way? Why do we discredit that when it comes to the mind? Why do you think that, you know, it doesn't matter the way that you speak to yourself? It absolutely does. The words are, they hold so much power. So if we tell our mind that it should be performing a certain way and it doesn't, we see this as a failure. We we think that we don't have the ability to get out of this mental struggle when really sometimes the very thing we need is to just silence that should voice, go with the flow and not dig and dig and ask, how am I going to get out of this and look for answers, but to let other powerful positive thoughts come through by just being in silence that's why we meditate right just be just don't um, force the answers because your subconscious mind knows all of the answers right it has a perfect your body has a blueprint of perfect health inside of it mentally physically it has a blueprint even if you don't feel a hundred percent all the time I don't know if that makes sense I I can picture it in my mind. I understand it, but it's hard to explain. So I hope that I'm making sense. But your body has a perfect, it has a record. How do I say this correctly? It has a record of like a blueprint of your body in perfect health. So even if you were born with an illness, it has a reference in there somewhere. It's always possible for you to get back to it. So you're, it's like in your subconscious mind embedded um, the idea of perfect health. So it knows. So we need to be, we need to silence the conscious mind that says, I don't know how to do this and allow the answers to come through, right? So this, um, I'm jumping back a little bit, but when I was talking about men before and that really sparked something in my mind that we don't touch upon all the time specifically and that is men's mental health and I have a lot of male clients actually and um it's different it's definitely different with my male clients and I enjoy it though a lot I really enjoy taking you know kind of stripping down that masculinity and getting to the raw soul and a lot of times the ego and the masculinity is what trips trips us up right as uh, trips us up as men trips men up and um so I really enjoy bypassing that and that's bypassing the conscious mind and getting through to that you know what what it should look like to be manly or what your mental health what your state should look like you know and that pressure is huge it's also in different cultures like I believe European cultures, they don't look at mental health the same way. And someone, correct me if I'm wrong, if you live there, uh, send me a DM. Uh, Maybe this is old school, but to my knowledge, I think that Europe um, kind of looks at mental health a little differently in a sense that you're not necessarily getting better, but you're sick if you're seeking out mental health. And that keeps a lot of people from seeking the help that they need and that goes for different cultures too and that's really why I'm so passionate about my book because some people 
don't have the opportunity to go to therapy. Some people don't have the opportunity just because they're told in their family that that's not what you do. And some people don't have have the financial opportunity. So it is a powerful first step, second step, third step, however many steps you've taken. If you want to work on your mental health in the comfort of your own bedroom, and maybe you're not comfortable reaching out right away to a professional, or maybe you've reached out to a professional and you feel like you've exhausted your resources and you need something new, a new way of looking at things, this book is going to shake you up and real and make you realize that you have control of your life and really make you look at mental health in a new perspective if you need that. Anyway, so what did I do? How did I get through my Thanksgiving woes, right? How did I get through uh, this Thursday or last Thursday? So I allowed the feelings, first of all. I allowed the tears for a little while. I called on two friends, spilt all my shit. Thank you for your friendship. You know who you are. And they held space for me. They offered me true compassion. And sometimes we don't need answers. We just need empathy or compassion or sympathy. And, you know, that that helps a friend. Just don't um, don't be scared to call on the people that, you know, Sometimes we discredit people saying, if you ever need anything, you know, give me a, give me a call. Count on those people when you need them. Really take them up on that offer and don't hold back. They're your friends because they love you. And if you need to, you know, cry it out for 15 minutes or, you know, an hour, do it. I'm sure it will be well received and you can uh, buy them a drink the next time you see them or whatever. <laughs> I waited until dinner to go upstairs and then that's when I started laughing with my cousins and you know dinner was almost ready so we went on our usual cousins walk you know what I'm talking about and I realized I have what I always wanted in that moment and that's connection and laughter and like you know we we put pressure to be happy and then we sometimes forget that the things that make us happy are you know right in front of our face. Sometimes our expectations ruin things. Actually, that's what ruins things most of the time, I think. We get excited, and if it's different, we label it as bad. Or if it didn't go our way, we label it as bad. Uh, When sometimes, you know, the universe is just trying to protect us, right? Shield us from something that wasn't for us. Think about some things that we thought were good for us and we wish we had been shielded from. So trust, you know, trust that uh, if something doesn't go our way, it's not necessarily for the worst. It could definitely be for the better. A lot of times we feel expected to show up in a certain way. And when we don't, we worry that we might disappoint others. Meanwhile, we're just, we're still just disappointing ourselves when we do this, right? We're expected to be happy on holidays and celebrating our birthday, especially when we've played a happy character for so long, when we feel like we've been playing a role that's not, you know, really aligned with how we feel. We are, we feel pressure then to keep up that act, right? I'm naturally a bubbly person. People tell me I'm bubbly all the time. I have a bubbly personality. So when I share my depressive thoughts, A lot of people are shocked and I'll take that as a compliment, but we're being real here today, right? We're sharing some raw, vulnerable stories. Um, No positive vibes only BS because remember what that pressure does to us. All vibes are welcome here because we got to move through our feelings, not just get over them, right? Not push them down. That's called spiritual bypassing. That's when we throw 
throw a blanket cure or not a cure, throw a blanket on something that, uh, you know, makes it look like our problems go away, like praying, like just praying or saying, you know, positive affirmations in the mirror. I feel good. I feel good. You know, we, we don't want to lie to ourselves. We want to feel our emotions, move through them, get to the root cause of why we feel them and acknowledge that we are not our feelings. We are not our thoughts. And everything that we experience, every um, negative emotion is tied to a past event that doesn't have to control us anymore, you know? So it's basically big picture. I I like to look at my um, depressive thoughts at a from a third-party perspective almost, like from a bird's-eye view. So let me get into my personal experience with anxiety and depression. And I'm willing to be very vulnerable because I know it makes me feel good when others are openly sharing something that resonates with me that people don't always share. You know, like you don't always hear what you need to hear from um, friends or or your peers because some people, a lot of people hide what they go through because they think that they must be the only ones thinking these thoughts and the only ones going through these having these physical, you know, experiences from negative thoughts and these stress pains. And, um, you know, it doesn't sound normal when it's in your own head, but I am here to show you that it's definitely very normal and very possible to move through to the other side of, you know, not never ever experiencing an anxious thought again, or, you know, um, that's a little unrealistic, but just knowing how to move through them, knowing how to use the tools to move through these without it rocking your world, without it letting you take 10 steps back. Because remember, you're never, even if you have a terrible day, even if you have a terrible week or month, you're never taking steps back. You're only moving forward because you're never starting over. You're just starting again with the experience, all the experience that you've previously accumulated. So, you know, there's no worries there. So maybe this resonates with you or maybe this helps you understand somebody else a little better that maybe goes through stuff like this. Um, I remember being seven about, I think I was seven years old, maybe I was six, telling my mom that I needed anger management because I would get so upset and I would get so flustered and frustrated all the time with uh, different things, you know, that even if it was something really silly, I would stress about my hair at like a really young age. I always cared what I looked like. I was always really anxious and I didn't know what anxiety was. So I labeled it as anger. And this is how negative emotions work. The way that we know that we're experiencing an emotion like anger or anxiety is because we've had a root cause of it. We've experienced it once either in this life or even a past life or maybe in in the womb but we've experienced anger at some point or, you know, fear, whatever the negative emotion is. We've experienced this at some point and then we've made correlations between the next time a similar thing happened, a similar thing stirred in us and we said, oh, that's fear, that's anxiety. And then something else happens and we say, oh, I should be fearful in this moment. I should be anxious in this moment. Our subconscious 
thinks that it needs to hold on to the fear because that's what carried us through last time, right? When that's not true, the lessons carried us through. So we can let go of the fear. We can let go of the anger, of the anxiety by crushing the reference, by crushing the foundation, the very first thing that ever made us anxious, made us fearful. When we crush the foundation, the rest of the experiences of these negative emotions fall away because it doesn't have a reference anymore. Does that make sense? Another thing that the subconscious mind does is that it ignores the story. It ignores the reality of what's actually going on and it just recognizes that flight or fight, the flight, (laughs) fight or flight response. So if you're Um, reference point of fear the first time that you ever felt fear was really valid something that was maybe even super dangerous and now you're fearful about going to talk to a girl across the bar the brain doesn't recognize these two things as different it only recognizes the fact that it's stimulating a similar fight or flight response a similar nervousness a similar stirring inside whatever you want to call it it recognizes a similarity and throws up flares that says oh my god we should be fearful right now and it goes with it it's ringing the alarm based on past circumstances so basically your fear or your anger or whatever other negative emotions you're experiencing are essentially just illusions. I labeled this emotion from anger to anxiety. Things made a lot more sense. And then I noticed that I would label other emotions as anxiety as the years went on. Like fear was probably labeled as anxiety a lot. Sadness was probably even labeled as anxiety a lot. And a lot of times we don't tap into our actual emotions and realize that we feel these emotions in different areas of our body and anxiety isn't, isn't, uh, or shouldn't, I'll use the word shouldn't, I guess, uh, even though I don't like that word, <laughs> but anxiety shouldn't be used as a blanket statement because that hinders us from being able to attach to our true emotions and move through them. A lot of times we feel something, you know, and it's, oh, oh, I'm anxious. No, maybe you're just scared. Maybe you're fearful of something. Let's tap into why you're fearful, right? Sometimes you truly are experiencing anxiety and that needs to be addressed as well. But anxiety really is its own emotion. So when you want to jump the gun and label things as anxiety because you're feeling a certain way, really check in with your body and ask where you're feeling it, where you're feeling it physically in your body. Is this truly anxiety or is it fear or is it anger or is it sadness or is it loneliness? Where is it stemming from? Once I was truly able, though, to tap into my emotions and really understand what I was feeling, things became easier. Because when we're experiencing panic and true anxiety and true fear, we sometimes have trouble really knowing where these things are coming from. Like I said, root cause. So you could be sitting there having a great time watching TV and anxiety can surface out of nowhere. And it seems like it comes out of nowhere, but it's not coming out of nowhere because it has that root cause. So that's why we crush the foundation. But once I knew what was fear, what was anger, and what was anxiety... Um, It made a little more sense and years went by and I thought that it was normal to feel anxious all the time because everyone raising me was anxious all the time and there's no blame there. 
because they did the best at the time that they could with the tools that they had. That's the thing with like ancestral trauma when things are passed down, when negative um, emotions and limiting beliefs are passed down generation to generation. It's not that they have taught you, that they've purposely taught you badly. You know, they don't, they didn't want to teach you these limiting beliefs, but they believe these things themselves, right? Everybody has their own reality. So they were taught something from their parents. They were taught something from their parents and it's all passed down generation to generation. And everybody does the best that they can with the tools that they have at the time. But my house was not um, exactly a go-with-the-flow type place. And, you know, people were often running around very anxious and uh, had a lot of fear around many things. And I saw this and thought that it was normal. So when I had anxiety, and then, you know, you you talk to other people and they often label their feelings as anxiety too and label um, fear and anxiety as a panic attack when oftentimes it's not. So then when you have a panic attack, it's like, oh my God, what the hell is this? You know, it's scary. So um, I thought that anxiety was normal. I, I didn't feel abnormal in high school. I just thought that anxiety, feeling fearful every day was normal. In college, after my first heartbreak is when it got real. I was probably about 20. And things just reared to an ugly head. And I realized that others don't feel the way that I was feeling this strongly. They don't feel emotions as strongly as I was feeling. And I was experiencing things that made me rage. Really? I felt this anger and this thumping anxiety in my chest. I would be anxious in ways that I could not healthily express. And looking back, like I said, it might not have even been anxiety all the time because we're out here mislabeling feelings all the time. What it was, was a core feeling of loneliness, of of abandonment. So I dated this man for two years and then we continued to talk and my heart continued to break for another two years after that. And I watched him date other girls and a side of me came out that I didn't like of pure jealousy. I hated everything about seeing them together and yet I couldn't pull away. I sabotaged my own mental health to have the mirage of being able to hold on to what I so unhealthily labeled as mine for so long, right? We fall in love and we we um, think that we have the capacity to have a hold on somebody or we think that they owe us something. They owe us their time. They owe us their energy because we love them. Meanwhile, by holding on to somebody like that and putting your happiness in their hands, you're setting yourself up for sabotage because nobody is going to take care of your feelings the way that you take care of your own feelings. Now, he or the breakup was never the root cause of my anxiety or depression. My brain was wired for that early on. But the breakup was probably the first time I felt that rage and major sadness. Like, literally, what am I going to do? It it didn't cause it. It just triggered me in a huge way from something I was already suffering from 
which was disappointment and abandonment. That came from way back in my past and he just triggered it. And this was the first time that I experienced it in my physical human body like that. So there was one night in particular that I remember he lied to me as if he owed me the truth after we broke up. I put so many expectations on this, like on an ex-boyfriend. Why? Like I chose to continue to suffer and I see that now. Anyway, he told me he hadn't seen a girl and pictures prove that he did. And I got so angry and we started to fight and I threw my phone down the block. I was outside. I threw my phone and it hit a tree and I went inside and I had my first major panic attack. And I'm talking, I could not breathe. I, what I made this mean, what I made it mean that when, that he saw her, I made it mean that he didn't love me or never loved me. Um, you know, I would never find somebody again that loved me like that. Meanwhile, our relationship was totally toxic when I look at it, you know, and I look back, you know. Um, so that was nuts. And I got so fucking mad that I couldn't see straight. I literally couldn't see straight. And I was so angry in this moment. So much hatred also came up for myself. I didn't have that deep love for myself because I was looking for it in outside circumstances that I wanted to get the fuck out of my own body. And I remember actually like digging my nails into my own skin because I didn't know how else to express this feeling. I wanted to get out of my own skin. I wanted to claw my skin off. And that was the first time that like I actually scared my mother. She was so nervous. She she didn't know what to do because I I she's so small. Like she can't control me physically. I'm I'm stronger than her. So it's not like she could stop me from hurting myself if I wanted to, which luckily it never got to that point um, other than, you know, a few scratches on my skin. But um, yeah, I, I obviously made her nervous and she wanted to take me to a hospital and I absolutely refused, absolutely was not going. But I did promise to book a psychiatry appointment the next day, which I did. And I went the next week and I explained what had happened. And he said, you had a manic episode, that you've been depressed and you had a manic episode. And because I had a manic episode, which by the way, can be categorized as many things. A manic episodes can look very different. It can look the way that it looked for me, or it can look like spending sprees um you just disconnect from reality a little bit maybe like major overindulging um but he said that this was a manic episode and because it was considered manic he said that I was bipolar and suggested that I started taking lithium lithium because because I was now labeled as something after speaking to him for 15 minutes and that's an extreme medication. Um, and I, but because I was now labeled as something bipolar, which is a serious, you know, mental illness that needs to be monitored, he wanted to put me on something very extreme. And that just did not feel right to me without trying other things first. I had never been on any sort of medication. I had never been to 
um, a therapist or a psychiatrist and I started therapy and the psychiatrist in the same week. Um, and the therapist, I never really knew what therapy was supposed to be like because I had never been. So I kind of just settled on a woman that was under my insurance and I spoke to her for two years. I went to her every single week and I never had a breakthrough. I never had anything that made me go, uh-huh, like, and think differently, you know, like um, breaking through barriers and and making you think and act differently. I never had that in therapy. And I thought that therapy was just supposed to be, you know, they call it talk therapy. So I thought that you just talk and, you know, get your shit out to somebody. I never knew that that you were supposed to heal in therapy, you know, like, so it wasn't helping, but I didn't realize it wasn't helping. So I kept going. So here I am at the psychiatrist for the first time and talking about medications and we settled on some other shit and every medication that I took made me feel like absolute crap. I mean, every single one, I would either be completely numb or I wouldn't sleep for days on end and it was hell. It was absolute hell going through these different feelings and and body things like physical physical um experiences through these pills i mean sweating just exhausted it was i i couldn't um function really and that remained pretty shitty until i tried prozac prozac honestly allowed me to just take a step back and think logically for a little while instead of emotionally i was able to rationalize things i was able to see things from that third party bird's eye view instead of feeling trapped inside of whatever I was going through. Before the Prozac, I spent a year trying different medications and sitting, literally sitting on the couch. Whenever I wasn't working, which was only three times a week I was bartending, other than that, I was on the couch. I was so unhappy, so depressed. I was lost. And Prozac definitely helped me realize that I just want, I want more and maybe I can, I wasn't thinking big picture at that point. I wasn't thinking, um, you know, what am I going to do with my future? I was more so thinking, how am I going to get out of this headspace to even get off of this couch, right? Like baby steps. Weed helped too, honestly. I would go from crying about him because you know, he would be out and I would be nervous about what he was doing. He would be out with different people or, you know, in my mind, in my mind, he was throwing stacks of cash at strippers and going home with, uh, with random women. And, and, uh, meanwhile, he was probably just in a bar, but my mind would run wild. And, uh, I would take like the smallest, tiniest hit of weed from this teeny tiny itty bitty bowl and uh, just one hit would make me feel like, you know, the world wasn't so bad. Okay, let's take a take a step back, big picture a little bit here. Let's put on a movie and think about something else, right? So I went from the worst headspace ever to, and this is still before trying out the Prozac, the worst headspace ever, spending a year on the couch and moving right into the hardest, most intense job of my life. And that was funeral directing. And I feel like as I'm speaking out loud, I'm getting my timeline mixed up a little bit because I did spend the year on the couch um, 
trying different medications. But then there was also a year that I, of my residency that I did without finding Prozac successfully. So I guess there was two years in between there of trying different medications and still um, unsuccessfully, you know, not tackling my mental health properly. So I went from a year of not knowing how to take care of myself to taking care of the deceased and their families while battling my own demons. And this was not easy most days. And not to mention my physical symptoms at the time were also at their worst, which was not a surprise because stress is a huge factor in any type of physical pain. And I only stayed in the profession for a couple of years as a funeral director and embalmer. And um, I did everything from from transportation when they passed away to embalming the body and dressing and casketing and doing makeup and directing the funeral and saying prayers graveside and driving the hearse and singing graveside, making arrangements. It was really intense. And I actually, I have an entire podcast on my days in the life as a funeral director, if you're interested in going back to that, if you haven't heard it yet. But yeah, dealing with my mental and physical struggles was really difficult at this time while trying to take care of other people. I only stayed in the profession for a couple years because I knew that the 12 plus days just were not for me. It was just not going to be my life forever. I knew I didn't want it to be. So I got out and I went to um, cosmetology school and I found the Prozac, even though I knew I didn't want to be on Prozac and Xanax forever, but they did allow me to see things clearer in moments of complete chaos. So yeah, I thought I was doing okay because I had enrolled in cosmetology school. I was dating someone only seemingly semi-shitty, right? We always date based on what we see our value as. So I feel like I was seeing myself as only semi-shitty now. So, you know, no wonder I called in someone semi-shitty. But anyway, (laughs) I considered things were going pretty well because my anxiety attacks diminished to once a week instead of multiple times per day. But My happiness was 100% based on outside circumstances. If my boyfriend and I were fighting, I'd be miserable. Then one time he did something that made me sink right back down into a really dark hole for a little while. I felt like my confidence was just kind of like starting to rise and I was feeling okay about myself and I realize now that the things that I allowed to upset me back then were really caused by myself. I might say that some situations or some people may have upset me, but I allowed it to happen. I stayed in the situation long enough to experience um, multiple things with each person that upset me. Around this particular time, I started wearing a lot less makeup. Like normally I wouldn't even go to the grocery store or hang out with anybody without makeup on, but it got to be fun to go to his house after class and just hang out, watch movies, and wash my face, and just be in pajamas. And I felt really good in those moments. And I thought that I had kind of found, like, someone who I could be myself around. And then um, he asked me to Google something on his phone, so I Googled something on his phone. And you know how when you press the little bar, it comes up what you've previously searched? So what he had previously searched, what came up right away was how to politely ask your girlfriend to wear more makeup. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? And he had nothing to say. He was honest and said, uh, you know, he prefers my face with makeup. And I was like, holy fuck. 
that's rough. Like the fact that he had to search that behind my back, like really, really hurt. I know that in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to trauma, this might not sound like such a big deal, but in the moment, it definitely rocked my self-worth. I wouldn't even link up with somebody nowadays that would, uh, that would feel the need to search something like that. But, you know, long story short, that that wouldn't fly with me today. <laughs> I wouldn't be comfortable in that situation after that. But what did I do back then? I stayed. I believe that what he said was valid. And my level on the worth meter went way down. And I stayed and I wore more makeup. And that didn't last, obviously. Seven months in, he wanted to break up because he said he wasn't physically attracted to me anymore. I had gained about 10 pounds from the Prozac that I had been on. So, you know, he wasn't physically attracted to to me anymore. So I said, no problem. I feel the same way. And um, I was sad for about seven hours. And then I got on my game. And I started a new diet and exercised. And I lost 26 pounds in probably like three months. And this was actually when I wound up getting off the Prozac too. And I didn't really plan it, but I started feeling really good about myself and felt like I was, I had enough time to step back and look at my life in a different way and think logically. It was almost like I had been thinking logically. And while I was doing that, I was training. I literally trained my brain to think logically. I rewired my brain in that time. So when I got off the Prozac, I continued to be happy. I continued to be able to think really logically. And these two relationships that I spoke of today are obviously not the only cause of, um, you know, triggering me or making me spiral back in the day. I used to be so love motivated and I'm still a hopeless romantic here, but I used to let other people's actions that I felt attached to affect me so much, which made it very easy for me to blame others and put my happiness in their hands which obviously isn't healthy for anybody in any sort of situation. So I knew that I had to do something different. And the way that I got off of the Prozac, um, I, again, I would not never ever do this. I do not suggest doing this. This was an accident. Luckily, it worked for me. But antidepressants are no nothing to joke around about um, when it comes to getting off of them. Because if you stop them right away, you can have a really adverse reaction and um, spiral back into, you know, a really dark place. And, and that's just brain chemistry, you know the meds working with your brain chemistry so you don't want to stop your meds um but what happened to me was that my house actually had a fire and I came home we were actually out as a family which we never ever do like we are never out as a whole group typically but this one night for some reason we all decided to go to a comedy club and we're about like 20 minutes from home and my mom's getting all these phone calls from our neighbors and they're saying come home come home come home because there's fire trucks all outside of our house so we go home and I was like freaking out I, I thought it was bad because as I'm coming home now there are fire trucks from different towns rushing towards my house and now I'm following fire trucks I'm like this must be bad turns out it was just a fire in one room my grandma and my dog were home and they got out thank god and everything was fine. Most of the house was a complete loss, but I was told to go inside and grab whatever I needed for the night, 
which it was funny because I was asked this question prior about a couple days prior like the week before I was discussing with a friend what I would grab if your house had a fire and you needed to get out like what's the one thing you would grab besides the obvious like your loved ones and your pets what's an what are what are the objects that you would grab and I was like I really don't know well it turns out in that moment it was my pillow and a gallon of Arizona iced tea those are the two things that I chose to grab so (laughs) I didn't realize like what they meant by like we're gonna pack up all your shit so grab what you need so I didn't pack up a lot of my stuff I went back the next day and got some clothes but I figured that we could just grab whatever we needed at any given time because not everything was you know up in flames it was mostly smoke damage So I thought I could just grab whatever I needed. So there were a lot of things that I didn't take. One of the things that I didn't take was my full bottle of medication. I had my travel pack on me. So I had about 10 pills on me. And, you know, with the the whole chaos of moving into a hotel, half my stuff being in a U-Haul and not knowing where the other half was, I started taking my medication very sporadically. Probably over the next 30 days, I lived in the hotel for about three months and over the next 30 days, I started taking it less and less. And I just started realizing that I was kind of happier and happier as I weaned myself off of this medication. And within like 30 days, I was pretty much off of it and I didn't feel the need to go back on. I continued to feel really great. I realized that I just needed a few new perspective on things. I needed the time to be able to take a step back from the chaos and breathe. I was feeling pretty damn good. I graduated cosmetology school. I opened a lash business, an eyelash extension business, which I still have, by the way. I entered a very healthy relationship. And mentally, I was feeling great until my autoimmune symptoms hit and took over. And I felt those dreaded familiar feelings of... I don't want to get off the couch or I think I'll just stay in bed for half the day. You know, I'll start my day at 4.30. I recognized that and I tried Prozac again. And it turns out that it did not work for me this time around. It, I don't know, my body chemistry just changed. Your body chemistry changes over the years and it doesn't interact with, um, doesn't react the same way from things that may have worked for you in the past, you know? So I knew that I needed to try something other than meds because not only did it not work, it made me 10 times worse. I was crying all the time. I mean, this pill made me feel like shit. And I was like, I'm done. No more meds for me. Um, I knew that I had to attack this at a cellular level. I knew that I had to do something extreme like diet and lifestyle. And that is when everything really shifted for, for good. That's when things, that's when my brain literally rewired itself and I became me. And then I discovered NLP and started healing myself and my energy naturally started to shift over time. It became or it continues to become easier and easier to be me, not to get better because I am and never was my feelings. At my core, they're just feelings. At my core, I am me. Think of a beaded necklace, like a pearl necklace. 
Um, and picture your emotions as the beads. The string underneath strings together each bead from bead to bead, from emotion to motion. We see the beads. We see the emotions and we think that's all that there is. We think that's us. But we are not the beads. We are the string underneath. We are the foundation, keeping it all together. Our emotions are just being loud. They're being bright. We want to quiet them down a bit so that the true you, the foundation, can peek through a little more often. And as you continue to practice controlling your emotions and your reactions and you react differently, that's when the neural pathways start to rewire themselves. That's when they literally start to form new ways of thinking. Remember, when we're young, we experience something and then we experience something else similarly, similar and say, oh, I should react this way. We want to rewire our brains so when something happens where we would have normally reacted inappropriately in, in an inappropriate way that doesn't serve us, we can now react differently so that the next time our brain has a new reference. It has the reference of... Sorry, puppy is getting excited. It now has a new reference of, oh, I should react this way when this happens. So when something happens that when, what, when something happens that used to f- make me freak out, now I react calm. Now you're training your brain to react calmly to the situation. Does that make sense? Then I had the breakthrough session and started facilitating them. And I witness firsthand how neural pathways can begin to reform in a matter of hours. Literally, shifts can happen in, I, I, I'm not even going to say hours, I want to say seconds. It can shift in seconds because all you have to do is speak to your subconscious mind and get the learnings that you know are there that you can't access on a normal day-to-day basis because of the chaos going on. This breakthrough set, I can't even, I know I've been talking about a lot, but I literally just cannot stop talking about how incredibly powerful it is to shift the energy inside of you, creating an external shift in your world. Like, for example, you make a decision to move, right? Just make a decision to move in your mind. Pick a date. Just pick a date in your subconscious and really feel it. Feel that date. Feel what you'll, you'll feel on that date when you move. And then an apartment happens to be available, exactly what you're looking for on that exact date. That's something that could happen by shifting your internal energy and being sure that this is for you, right? So by working through this breakthrough session, um, banishing your negative emotion, banishing, who says that? I feel like I'm in the the Salem witch trial days, banishing these emotions and limiting beliefs. Um, You can shift your internal, external reality, shift the way that you think and act and feel. I believe it's really important to be able to have access to other stories and lessons when it comes to mental health struggles because... It's something that many still feel ashamed of. Maybe a little less of a stigma nowadays because I think a lot of people are speaking out now and that's amazing. And the more the better because when you're struggling, you feel so alone. You think that nothing will ever make you happy again. And you think that literally nobody has ever felt this way and that you're the only one. But that couldn't be further from the truth, honestly. So let's talk about the lessons that I learned through all of these years of suffering. Um, I learned that investing in your mental health, number one, is the most helpful thing that you can do for yourself and the people around you. 
That's why on an airplane, they say to put your gas mask, your gas mask, (laughs) your uh, oxygen mask on first for a reason, because you cannot help others in need if you're suffering. You have to help yourself first and then you can heal others. Everybody struggles sometimes. I also realized that just because a doctor gives you a label based on your symptoms doesn't mean that you're a prisoner under that label forever. In addition to the fact that doctors only go by what you tell them when diagnosing you with a mental illness and cross-referencing it to an ancient textbook, you can literally rewire the neural pathways in your brain so that you are not a slave to your diagnosis. It is okay to ask for help. It is okay to be vulnerable. Being vulnerable allows you to show others the possibility of rising above. Being vulnerable allows other people to see into the minds of people who have been through it, are going through it, have realized the secret formula. There is no real secret formula, but realized the um, the steps to take to get out of that space because that space is dark, man. And if I didn't have the tools that I had to pull me out, sometimes I really don't know what I would do. It was it was really rough trying to um, realize that everything is not so terrible and that there are other realities around me that I can choose instead. I had to choose again. And I am here to help you choose again, choose a new reality. I also realize that human connection really is all that matters. Surround yourself with the right people, with the right people that um, you know you can count on, with the right people that energize you, lift you up. Love is the only true emotion. Any other emotion that we experience is just moving away from the scale of love. Love is the middle ground. Love is love is the thing. Love is what we want to fulfill, to get back to. That's what everyone's craving, right? And when we're experiencing despair or if we're experiencing fear, we're not actually experiencing fear and despair and loneliness and sadness. What we're experiencing is a lack of love. Think about those super sad animal cases and only for a minute because I can't think about it for longer than a minute or I'll, like a second or I'll cry. But um, think about when they're found in the state that they're in, abandoned and lonely and you know they're biting people that are reaching for them and maybe they don't adjust to a family home right away. And so many people are quick to write off an, a pet like that or an animal like that or a human like that because they're acting a certain way. But then you see it months later and it's like the best dog ever, you know, like grows all new fur and uh, has new behavioral patterns. That's not because dogs or animals just miraculously get better when you put it under a roof. Dogs need mental and animals need um, mental brain rewiring as well in order to be happy when they've been in a situation like that forever. And how do you rewire an animal's brain? You give it love. You literally just give it love. You bathe it. You show it what it hasn't had. And then you see it. Months later, it's it's a new dog with new behavioral patterns. How does that happen? With love. If we could just go through our day focusing on love instead of the pace and the what we have to do and you know having our own selfish goals in mind could you imagine how quickly the world could heal could you imagine how powerful healing could be for everyone if everyone just operated out of love on the regular so human connection is super important the short-term pleasures that we seek do not fulfill us 
it's actually the long-term shit <clears throat> that we set up for ourselves in the past. Think about, um, you know, when you're really drunk and you come home and you actually do something good for future you, for tomorrow you, like putting an Advil in water on your bedstand, right? You're like, thanks past me. Thanks drunk me for uh, treating sober me kindly. <laughs> you realize you helped out future you, right? Help out future you. I also realized that I want to enjoy my favorite moments and I also want to stop trying to recreate them because remember expectations expectations will leave you very disappointed so I remember I would try to um, often I would experience something blissful for example something that jumps out at me is like a vacation I would go to a specific beach or a specific uh place and it would be awesome and then I would go back and try to recreate it you know get that feeling back and if it wasn't the same, if I didn't get the same feeling from it, I would be disappointed. Meanwhile, we have to go through every day, every experience, like it's brand new because it is. Even if you're doing the same thing again, the experience is brand new and we have to welcome that instead of, you know, putting pressure on um, it being the same or having fun. I really realized death which gives us fuel. It can give us fuel for getting shit done, but also takes the pressure off in a way, not like in a morbid way, but we realize how insignificant we are. And I don't mean that as a deterrent, we're, but I mean it in, the, in a way that we're only here for such a short amount of time. Take the pressure off yourself. Think of yourself as a little blip. We're here for like 80 years if we're lucky. We're here for this little blip in time. We have to really do what's right for us. Do what makes us happy. We are so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And that's not to say that what we do isn't important. We can have a huge impact as a single individual. But when it comes to pleasing others to the point where it makes you unhappy, it's not worth it. Please yourself. Make sure you're happy. Take care of you. Put on your oxygen mask before you help others with theirs. What helped as well, I realized that I wanted to start being very intentional about my relationships, very intentional about the people that I shared any sort of experience with, whether it be sexually or romantically or a lunch, literally giving my time out to people or friendships, just being very intentional about how I spent my time because I realized that I was spending time with people that we, we would just scroll on our phones, you know, not talk about much unless it was to complain. And you don't realize that that actually lowers your vibe when you leave somebody's house. I didn't realize that, you know, I always just thought I'm an introvert. I like, I like my space. I didn't realize that leaving somebody's house feeling drained is not normal. You shouldn't feel drained when you come from your friend's house. You should feel uplifted and energized. These people should energize you. The people you surround yourself with should inspire. If you're not feeling inspired by the people you're spending your time with, get new friends. Because like I said, at the end of the day, human connection and love is all that matters. And today I am happier than I have ever been. I see such a bright fucking future for myself. I never thought I, if you would have told me that I could help people with their anxious thoughts a couple of years ago, I would have thought you were crazy because I was so, so far deep in my thoughts that I, I could not see a way out. And now life is just beautiful. I have my shitty days. I told you Thanksgiving three days ago. I was crying. I was upset. But things are just different now. 
I can get out of that like that, you know? I can move from that. I can see clearly. I can see things from a third third eye, bird's eye view, third perspective, third party, whatever you want to call it. Um, and my future is so beautiful. And I look forward to what I create, to what I to who I help. I look forward to the things that I am going to experience. I'm not asking. I'm not um I'm not so caught up in the oh my god, how is this going to happen and and how am I ever going to, you know, feel this way or you know, I'm I'm living it. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm I'm experiencing and it's beautiful and it's lovely and um I can't wait to help more do the same because this work is so powerful if any of this resonated with you take a screenshot i want to hear about your struggles what you've been through what you've overcome i want to hear your success stories i want to hear what you're going through i want to hear about everything so shoot me a dm shoot me a hello give me a shout out I'd really appreciate it if you left me a review on iTunes, scroll all the way down, click uh, rate this podcast, I think it says, give me five stars if you enjoyed this, and yeah, let me know what resonated with you. I'm so happy to have you here today through this uh, vulnerable share. I really appreciate the energy exchange here. I appreciate you giving me your time. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the commitment you have to yourself by listening. And I will talk to you soon. Take care of yourself, all right?